So we are, we have been reading, well, a while back we were reading through Galatians. We're kind of stuck there. As our family reading plan, we've moved on to First Thessalonians, which is good. We've been really, really good as well. Um, but I'm going to stick with this theme that Eric has been preaching on. And for those who were at the um, uh, Tony Costa School as well, he touched on some of this as well. Um, and so we're basically going to be going into just this phenomenon, this craziness of the gospel of, of the, when we understand that we are not under the law anymore and how offensive that is and how mind-blowing that is, especially during that time of, of, you know, Paul trying to explain to people, hey, we're not under the law. Stop doing the things. Quit doing circumcision. Stop doing these things. You're not under the law anymore. And that was just offensive, you know? I mean, he, he even said in the word that the cross is offensive. If I, if I stop preaching um, circumcision, then why, you know, why are people so offended? Anyway, so the cross is offensive. Doing away with the law is offending to the mind because we think, well, how are we going to stay under control then? I mean, aren't we supposed to act right? If we don't have the law, how are we going to act right, right? And we don't have to work for salvation. We don't have to do anything to, to get to be saved, to be in the kingdom. That's offensive. That's, that's strange. That's mind-blowing. We don't understand this mystery. And it was offensive for them to learn that the law was a temporary guardian and not God. You know, that I, I think about how difficult it must have been because the way they felt close to God was through the ritual of the law. And now you're taking that away? How am I supposed to feel close to God now? That's odd, you know? And, and they didn't understand. Well, you know, the, the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit, this is how you feel close to God. We have the Holy Spirit that's been given to us. So we're going to get into this. I titled this Dissect, Repent, and Renew. Learning how to embrace our new nature is what we're going to be doing today. And I just summed those two up, basically. Okay, so this is what we're left with, is this offensive message of the cross. We don't have the law. We're not under the law. And so that's when um, Paul picks this up in Romans. What shall we say then? Are we to continue to sin so that grace may increase? Far from it. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in newness of life. That's important right there. For we have become united with him in the likeness of his death. Certainly, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him. Say that. My old self was crucified with him. My old self was crucified with him. In order that our body of sin might be done away with. Say, my body of sin has been done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. 
We are no longer slaves to sin, for the one who has died is free from sin. Amen. Hallelujah. That's exciting. Do you understand what that means? That means that your old self, your sinful nature, it died. It is dead. When you accepted Jesus as your Savior, that part of you died. Your desire to sin died. Now, I know you're probably not believing me because you're like, that didn't actually happen for me. I didn't step, we're getting into it, okay? I'm telling you, it is good news. We live in the resurrection. We died with Christ and he was resurrected and we live in resurrection life. So under the new law of freedom, our flesh has been crucified. Say, my flesh has been crucified. We were sinners saved by grace. We were not anymore. We are saints. We are now saints in the kingdom. This was Tony's point. He kept trying to drive home. Remember that? We were sinners. We're not anymore. That is not our nature. We, are no, we no longer have a sin nature. It died when you received Jesus as your Savior. Okay? So we are not under the law. We are no longer under the law because we are dead. Say, I'm dead. The new nature that was resurrected with Christ doesn't want to sin. Amen. Say, I don't want to sin. My new nature does not want to sin. And that is the truth. It is truth. Listen, this is how I felt 18 years ago. I've shared my story 7,000 times, and I know. Anyway, but this is the thing. For those of you who don't know, I was addicted to drugs. I was a mess. I, was, I, I believed that I was bisexual. I had had two abortions. I was into witchcraft. I was a hot mess 18 years ago well, and before. It was actually, anyway, whatever. Age 18 to 25. I was a mess. But when I got saved, when I encountered the love of God, it was, it was amazing. It was I, I, could, I can't even explain the divine exchange that happened, the shame that left, and the love that came in. And I left here that day brand new, and I could feel it. I, I didn't want to sin. I, I remember, because I was a smoker back then, and I remember leaving, and you know, out of habit, you get in your car, you grab a smoke, right? And I remember thinking, I don't think I want this, right? I did. But I smoked it anyway, because why? <laughs> Habit. And I had to quit nine months later, and it was really excruciating. I should have just taken advantage <laughs> of that new nature. <laughs> but anyway, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get into more of that. So I, I did. I felt brand new. I was like everything about me wanted to change. I wanted to change to be like Christ. Yeah. Except there were a few things that I wasn't willing to, but we'll talk about that in a second, too. So let's go to Romans 6, 12 through 14. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey in its lusts. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead. Say, I'm alive from the dead. And your members as instruments of righteousness to God. 
For sin shall not have dominion over you. For you are not under law, but under grace. Say this. For sin shall not have dominion over me. When I am born again, my new nature doesn't want to sin. Saying that again. When I am born again, my new nature doesn't want to sin. Now, we can make a choice to sin, but it is no longer in our nature to walk in that sinful flesh nature, okay? We can still make the choice, and we're going to talk about that choice. Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So this is something else that we learned in Tony's school. I thought this was so cool. Totally stole it from him, regurging it. He talked about that word transformed. Um, in the Greek, it's metamorpho. It's, it is the same process that a caterpillar goes through when it goes from a caterpillar to a butterfly, that metamorphosis. It's the same word. And let me tell you a little fact about the caterpillar is that when a ca- the process of becoming from the caterpillar to the butterfly, everything about it changes. Everything. Everything has changed. It really is a new creation by the time it gets to the butterfly, except for the memory of being a caterpillar. And that is the message that God is trying to explain to us, is that you are made new in Christ. You are made new. You live in the resurrection, but you still remember who you were before the cross. And that is why we need mind renewal. That is why we need to check our thoughts. That is why we have to be aware of my mind, my thought life. What do I need healed? What is in my mind that's messed up? Because our mind and the messed upness of our mind and our thoughts is what leads us into sin now. It's not our nature anymore. It's our mind that takes us there. So for me, so much of my mind was changed at salvation. So much of it. Because I was just like, oh, I'm, I'm in. I am all in. You know, I was all into being a druggie. You know, I, like my whole life revolved around it. Where I lived, what kind of car I drove, where I worked, so they wouldn't drug test me, all the things. And I was like, I'm doing that same thing with Jesus, okay? Like, I am all in. I'm doing this thing. Except I had some memories of my old life that I was not quite ready to let go of. And one of them was my identity, my sexual identity. I was like, I don't know about that. I'm not really sure. I don't really, I'm just, I don't know about that. But I told the Lord for that particular one, I told the Lord, you know what? Let's just talk about it later. <laughs> like, you've really shown me that you're really, really good. And I can't deny that. I can't deny the miracle that's happened. We'll just talk about it later. Uh, really, that's seriously what I told him. There were other things about my mind that were still kind of messed up. I went through a lot of trauma. I put myself through a lot of trauma. Sin brings trauma. But I also went through trauma that was inflicted upon me. And that left me feeling very out of control, 
um, skittish, uh, not very trusting, still pretty angry. So even though I love the Lord with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, I still was a bit of a hot mess emotionally. And I didn't always reflect my new nature because I had the memories, the memory of my old self. So one of the ways that I feel like you can explain this is how many of you guys have smartphones that are smarter than you are? I mean, yeah, Tom's hands down. He's like, I know exactly what my phone does. (laughs) And I can't stand it that you don't know. (laughs) This is a terrible analogy, but imagine or think that our new nature is like this smartphone, okay? It has all these gadgets. It has all this stuff that will make our lives so easy. We have no idea how it works, right? Our mind can't comprehend it. And this is kind of, it's the same thing. You have been given a new nature, a new nature with power inside of you, the power of the living God inside of you, and you have no idea how to work it. We have no idea how to tap into the power of God to transform our mind so that we can truly walk in our new nature all the time. I believe that you can walk in your new nature all the time. 99%. (laughs) I do. I believe it. Okay, so we have some work to do in our soul. We have healing to do. So this... We're going to talk, Paul actually prays that we would know and understand the power of God in our soul. We're going to read it here. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. That word inner being means thoughts and emotions. He is praying for your mind in this moment so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. The fullness of God. Say, I have the fullness of God in me. Yes, and I'm tapping into it. The fullness of God that is in me has the power to transform my mind. That memory of who I used to be. I don't have to live in that trauma anymore. I don't have to live in those false belief systems anymore but I can't ignore it. And we're going to talk about that. So Psalm 51, 7 through 12. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Whiter than, hello, whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have broken rejoice. 
Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Who remembers the joy of their salvation? Remember that? When you thought, that first, whoa, I feel new. This is so awesome, right? And we call that the honeymoon period. And those of us who are seasoned in the Lord, we're like, oh, isn't that cute? They're in their honeymoon period with the Lord. Just wait till the trials hit, right? Because that is so boo. That's right. But this is, this is what, because this has been our experience, we've made that the norm. This is what's supposed to happen. Oh, you're supposed to have the honeymoon period at the beginning of your salvation, and then you're supposed to go through trials, and by the way, it's just going to stink. Christianity is going to stink for a while. It's going to be really hard. It's going to be really difficult, and that is not true. It doesn't have to be your story. Now, are you going to go through trials? Yes. <laughs> okay. I'm just saying it doesn't have to be awful and tormenting, and I moved this, and I don't know how to go back. Okay. Um, so what he's talking about here, he's like, restore to me the joy of your salvation. It's, we feel that new nature when we're first saved. We do, right? But here's what happens. Slowly, our old memories of how we used to be creeps in. And we get triggered, we, we come into encounters and experiences that are similar to what I felt back here. And because our mind isn't renewed, we fall back into old patterns because our, our minds are set. We've got these neural pathways that are set, and we still need to transform our mind. That's, that's the last thing that's left on us. The Lord did everything. It's on us to transform our mind with his power. He does not leave us to do it on our own. So in order to restore the joy of our salvation, we need to clean our hearts. So let's get into this. So let's go back to this thing of, okay, so if I have a new nature and I'm not under the law anymore, I've got this new nature, but I know that I sometimes have memories of my old nature. Okay, so then how do I know how to act, right? How do I know when I've slipped into my old nature? How do I know? Because sometimes we don't know. We don't realize it. How many of you guys last week when Eric was, by the way, these messages that Eric's been bringing has been amazing, but, but there were some things that he was talking about that I went, ooh, I do that. Like, I, I'm doing that. I didn't think it was that big of a deal. I mean, I did feel a little bit of a conflict inside, but I just kind of ignored it, but I didn't realize, oh, that's me in my flesh, and I didn't know it. So we have all kinds of places in the word, in the New Testament, that's saying, hey, this is your sin nature. This is your new nature. Understand the difference, because when you don't, when, you, when you're in your sin nature, it means I'm working on old memories. My mind needs renewed. Okay, so Galatians. We're going to read this, Galatians. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. 
will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other. Eric's version last week talked about the conflict. They are in conflict with each other. But to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Talking about that, which I just—he just keeps going. You're not under the law. You're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident: sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, enmity, <laughs> strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ have been crucified, have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. So Eric did a great job of addressing last week about what it means to not in, that, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And it's about making those things a habit continually over and over. So the list of the works of the flesh and the fruits of the spirit, I like to think of it as a thermostat or a gauge or a map. It's just to help us see oh, I'm here. I'm right here when it comes to the flesh and the spirit. I'm 20% of the time in my flesh and 80% of the time I'm, I'm in my spirit, right? It's a gauge. It's a measuring stick. There doesn't have to be all this condemnation and shame when we've ventured into the works of the flesh because it's a warning sign that our soul needs healed. If I discover, wow, I'm doing this, or so many of us, and I'm going to get into examples in a little bit, but especially when it comes to like anger and rage, and I'll talk about that directly, but so many times we get into that, and then, you know, we have our little outburst, and then, oh man, that guilt and shame comes. We feel terrible for it. It's hard to get over. It's, it's rough because the conflict comes comes. Eric talked about the conflict last week about how our sin nature and our new nature are in conflict with each other. And wasn't that great news? I don't know, but I was sitting there like, wow. But seriously, I was like, oh, the conflict is a good thing. Because what we do is we feel that conflict of the Holy Spirit in us going, "Mm mm-mm. Mm-mm. and we add to it, right? And we just stay stuck in it because we don't really know what to do. I don't think we really know what to do once we've crossed over into our sin nature. We're like, yeah, we're supposed to repent, but what does even that look like, right? But the conflict is a good thing. The conflict just shows us, hey, there's something that you're believing that ain't right. And you need to look at it. I'm asking you to look at it. Because this behavior is evidence that you have some messed up 
thinking. That's what that is. That's what these types of scriptures are. They are measuring guides. Am I in the spirit? Am I in the flesh? How much of my mind still needs renewed? So if I am satisfying the desires of my flesh, we've got to ask ourselves, why am I doing that? What am I believing? And why am I not fully embracing my new nature? So there are other passages in the New Testament that are also these measuring sticks that let us know and understand when we are walking in our new nature and when we've crossed over into our flesh, which is our dead man, right? Remember, we're dead. The love chapter in Corinthians, right? You look at that, love is patient, love is kind, not self-seeking. All that stuff keeps no record of wrong. I mean, I get into that and I'm like, whoop, flesh, I'm in my flesh. I definitely have my list of wrongdoings. And it's a measuring guide. It's simply we go, oh, okay. My mind needs renewed about keeping a record of wrongs. What do I think that that's doing for me? When I keep a record of wrongs, do I feel like that's protecting me? Is it protection? Why do I think that way? Right? So we go, and I'm going to teach you practically how to do this. Um, we even read this week, First Thessalonians chapter 4 talks about sexual immorality and things like that. It goes, that's another measuring guide. This one in Romans, I chose this one, and this is kind of long, but man, this is like, I think my heading in my Bible says something like the act of the true Christian or something like that. I forget. Um, Romans 12, 9 through 20. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lonely, the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. That one's like jumps out on mind renewal right there. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And to the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Yeah, for the flesh, spirit. And when you compare your heart, when I compare my heart to these passages, conviction comes in. I begin to get in conflict. Like, ooh, 
I don't do that or I do do that. So what we do with the conflict will decide if we get free or stay bound and partner with the demonic. Because if you ignore the conflict and you stay in sin, you will give legal right for the enemy to torment you. Because here's what happens. If we do nothing, we've got the conflict. I realize whatever it is, I yelled at my kids, I, I didn't bless someone, I actually cursed them. Whether it's I, uh, I looked at porn or I did, you know, whatever it is, whatever the sin is, I don't, I don't care the measure or the degree of it. If you ignore the conviction of it, if you ignore the conflict that's inside of you, Here's what happens. Shame comes in. And it, woo, shame is that burning. It just feels awful. And it insults our character, and it insults who we are. Guilt says I did something bad. Shame says I am something bad. And that's what the accuser comes to do. He comes to accuse us with shame and says, you're not even a Christian. Who do you think you are doing what you do and you're still struggling with this thing? The tormentor comes to bring us down and we are disempowered to overcome. If you let shame come in, you're not going to win. You will not win because you are disempowered. As soon as that voice starts telling you you are something bad, who do you think you are, all of this, you tell that thing to shut it because that is not from God. That is not conviction. It is not who you are. The conflict, when the Holy Spirit is talking to you, the Holy Spirit says, hey, you're too awesome to be acting this way. I need you to stop. Figure out where that's coming from. Thank you. This is not your nature. So if we don't partner with shame, or probably we do partner with shame, the other one that likes to come along is blame. Blame comes along when shame feels a little too painful because it vows to protect you. We justify our actions by blaming the person who caused this problem to happen. You made me do this. I wouldn't have to be this way if you did da-da-da, right? And unfortunately, when you partner with blame, you've partnered with pride. And we all know how well that goes when we partner with pride. Pride comes before the fall. God resists the proud. 
you really kind of need his help overcoming. So you really don't want him resisting you. So there's shame and there's blame. Say no shame, no blame. The other thing that comes along is numbness. When we've worn out shame and blame, we just minimize. We get apathetic. We go numb. It doesn't matter. Nothing matters. It's not that bad. It's just not that bad. Right? Listen to me. This is demonic protection. And the problem, I mean, there's lots of problems with partnering with the enemy. One of the problems with partnering with the enemy is that he's a really terrible protector. Okay? He promises that he'll protect you when you partner with him. If you just keep blaming others, if you just keep getting mad, if you just, you know, sit here in your shame or you get numb to it, you'll feel fine. He's not very good at it. And the insanity of it is that we've tried to protect ourselves from a conflict that is actually good and productive. That first initial, oh, oh, I shouldn't have done that. That's good and productive, but we don't like it. So we partner with these other things. And we don't realize, I just partnered with the demonic. I just partnered with something I don't want to partner with. So again, the conflict is actually the Holy Spirit saying, you are not made for this. This is not your new nature. It's not who you are. You're believing some lies. The lies are what's causing you to do this. It's not a problem. Let's investigate why you believe this way. Be willing to look at why you believe this way. That's what the Holy Spirit is trying to do. So, instead of partnering with shame, blame, and apathy, how about we learn a way that we can figure out why I think the way I do? Because how many of you guys struggle with that? You go, um, you go, okay, well, that's good and all. Like, that's good, but I don't, I don't know how. You know, I don't know how to, I don't know why I did that. I just did, right? Okay, so who would like some help with that? Okay, we got 15 minutes, okay. Okay, we're just going to move forward and then we'll just, okay, we'll see. We'll see where we go. Okay. Make sure. Ah, there's something I want to add. So remember that we are, not only, you know, our, we have our new nature, right? We are also seated in heavenly places. We're seated in heavenly pr- places with Christ. So when you are in this moment and you've done something and you begin to feel the conflict, you got to take a minute to go, wait a minute, I have to get, 
I'm starting to partner. I feel really bad for this. I'm starting to partner with some shame. I'm starting to feel really bad. You got to go, wait a minute. I'm seated in heavenly places. I'm above this problem. I'm sitting up here with Christ and I'm looking down on this and I can separate myself from it for a minute so that I can try to figure out why I think this way. Because you can do this for your friend, right? If your friend is in sin, you can have all the grace in the world for your friend. And you can be like, come on, let's just figure out why. What was that trigger event? What, co- what caused it? Right? We can do that for our friends. It's hard to do that for ourselves. We've got to remember, wait, I'm up here. I'm above this. I can look down on it and try to figure out what's going on. So we're going to use my favorite tool in the whole wide world. I pull this thing out everywhere I go. My youth kids are probably so annoyed by the fact I'm pulling out the cards, guys. Look at me. Here they are. Here they are. These are my favorite. Okay, this tool, and I wonder if it'll sit up like this. Oh, I see I've carried them everywhere with me, so I don't even know. They won't. I'll just use what's on the thing. That's okay. It's up here. You know, I did a teaching on this back in December using jars, and we're sorting our feelings and all of that stuff. Anyway, that's back in December. But this tool is so helpful when it comes to, okay, I've sinned. I've done something. My flesh has done something I didn't want it to do, so why? Okay, so the first thing you need to understand is how things work, okay, how our minds work. So circumstances lead to thoughts. Thoughts lead to feelings. Feelings lead to actions, and actions lead to results, okay? So the circumstance is that something happens. It's a trigger event, okay? It's simply a fact. It's like just something happened. It's not, there's no opinion here. It's just the thing. There's something that happens. And for this particular um, example, I'm not talking about the sin. I'm talking about the thing that happened that caused you to sin, okay? There's almost always a trigger event that happens, okay? And we'll get to that in a minute, but I just have to break down the tool for you for just a second. So our circumstances lead to thoughts. Thoughts... The th- this, these are the thoughts that I think about the circumstance. It's the judgments that I make about what happened. It's the imaginations that I make up in my mind. It's the stories I make up in my head about what happened. The feelings are the feelings that I experience about my thoughts. My thoughts create my feelings. So, and this is probably the hardest thing for people to understand, is that You can help your feelings. You just don't know how yet. Your thoughts cause your feelings. Your circumstances don't. The thoughts that you think about that circumstance is what leads to the feelings that you feel. Now, I do believe that you probably don't know how. So when you say, I can't help how I feel, I believe you because you don't yet know how. Okay, so our feelings lead to our actions, and our actions lead to results. Our actions are I do what I do as a result of my thoughts and feelings, which are the acts of the flesh or sin. So that's where I'm putting your sin. If we sin, we find ourselves falling into the grip of sin, or we mess up or do whatever, it's in the action category. And then the result 
is the consequences, good or bad, for my actions. That's where the conflict comes in. So, is that making sense? Okay. So let's use the example of like fits of rage, okay? Because that's one of the ones that was listed in the, um, thank you, Galatians 5. <laughs> and um, so if you, if you think about the example, fits of rage, this is something that I used to struggle with a lot, okay? Um, especially at my kids, when my, when Hanson 1.0 was younger, right after I first got saved, and I would, I would just get mad, you know, I would get angry, I would parent out of anger, and, and I hated it, I mean, I absolutely hated it, but there was almost always, so for, I'll use that as an example, there was almost always a circumstance that caused me to lash out, right, to go to action. So, for example, my kids would be arguing, right? That makes us just lose our brains, right? So, but, but you don't realize that the circumstance, which is my kids are fighting, you don't realize that because it happens so fast. I have thoughts about that circumstance. I'm making up stories in my head about that circumstance. It's causing lots of feelings to rise up in me. And the way I act out, the actions are I yell at it because I need it to stop right now. Right? Now. Grip my teeth. You better stop that right. Especially in public. Oh, man. But we don't even realize, wow, I had thoughts and feelings about that before I went off. But it happened so fast, we don't know. Right? And then I would do it, and then you know what, how I felt when I was, when I, after I did it? Terrible. Shame storm. Just, I mean, I would... I was so full of shame. I was so full of regret. I was so full of pain. I never wanted to parent that way. I don't want to treat my kids that way. I hate conflict. I hate it. So here's what the way the Lord got, got me free. Is that first of all, I had to stop partnering with the shame, which we talked about. When I would lash out and that shame would hit me, the Holy Spirit was like, don't let it hit you. Don't let it get you. It, don't let it get you. And I'd be like, I'm not, I'm not partnering with shame. I'm not partnering with shame. I'm not partnering with shame. I am a good mom. I know that I'm a good mom. I know that I am. And then I would go, and I allowed humility to come over me, and I would go to my kids, and I would repent to them. I would ask for their forgiveness. Because that is not who I wanted to be. And I knew that shame would never, ever, ever help me overcome this issue. It was not my friend. Feeling horrific about what I just did isn't going to be a good motivator. It is not a good motivator. 
So I stopped doing that and I started to figure out why. I started to get some emotional healing as to why, what was going on in my mind. And that's what I'm going to take you through. So here's what happened. So the circumstance, the trigger event is my kids are fighting. The thoughts that I think about my circumstance oh so quickly that roll through my mind, right, are... Um, oh my gosh, my kids can't get along. What if they can't get along? Then you know what? When they get married, they're probably like going to fight all the time. And if they can't figure out how to like get along with their brother, then they're not going to be able to get along with their wife. And if they can't get along with their wife, what if they get divorced? And if they get divorced, what if they ended up on drugs like I was? This is where my thought patterns would go. It was fear, 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 fear. And we just make up these crazy scenarios in our head as moms, you know, and dads, and dads of how worst case scenario of what's going to happen because our kids are arguing. <laughs> so funny now. <laughs> but I wanted them to be successful and prosperous, and I did not want them. I did not want them going down the same path that I did. The memory of my old life was influencing my ability to parent my kids in that moment. And so this is what we have to ask ourselves when it comes to, when you, when you think about this, okay, so the circumstance happened, what thoughts was I thinking? How did that make me feel? What feeling did I feel just before lashing out in this way? Did I feel rejected? Did I feel fear? Did I feel lost? Overwhelmed? I typically felt helpless. And I want to talk to you about anger for a second. Ooh, gosh, we're getting, yeah. Yeah, we're probably going to have to do a part two, aren't we? Yeah, because I got a whole thing of breaking this thing down. Like, we got, I'm on page eight, y'all. We're going to have to come back. Okay. So, um, trying to figure out how to. Yeah, how to land the plane, because we're getting there. I'm going to go through this really fast, and then I'm going to go to the... Okay, all right, I'm working this out. We're going to leave you hanging just a little bit, okay? So let me talk to you about anger for a second. Anger is a secondary emotion, okay? Anger comes along and says, I will protect you from that really vulnerable emotion that you don't want to feel. Because behind anger is typically helplessness, powerlessness, fear. And anger comes along and says, oh, that feels terrible, doesn't it? Let me help you. It's not the first emotion we feel, it's the second. So we go through and we ask ourselves, what thoughts were going through my head that caused those feelings? What story was I making up in my head? My story typically was what I told you. Oh, they're, you know, it, the end of the story was they're going to end up on drugs. I don't, <laughs> that's so insane. Like, that's so insane. <laughs> I wish I had this perspective now. So 
So then you've got to check your belief system. And do I have a slide about this? Yeah, I do. Good. Okay. Um, what thoughts were going through my head? What story did I make up in my head? Check your belief system. Where did I learn this? Who helped me shape this view? So when it comes to like fits of rage, let's say it's, for example, the, the example of me and, and my parenting, um, what is the belief system that's in place? Because sometimes in the moment we have thoughts about it, but what is actually the belief system? Do I believe that anger gets me the results that I want? Do I like the result of fast obedience? Because anger makes it happen fast, right? Yeah. Do I believe that it works? Do I like the results that it gives me? You may also want to check your, if you kind of have this low boiling rage going on all the time, you know, under the surface, you may want to check when did that take root. That is, is going to be, I would advise an emotional healing session for that. And where did I learn it? Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. You train up a child in anger and control, they will not depart from anger and control. You raise up a child in fear, they will not depart from fear. And as you're kind of analyzing this and you're figuring out, you know, like, what do I believe about anger? What do I believe about these fits? What do I believe? What am I, what is driving this? Where did this come from? And take the time to dig and to look and to check what are the memories that are popping in my mind? What are the belief systems that are there? Do you understand what I'm saying? It's like we've got to do that. And then we got to ask, is it worth the cost? You know, this sin that we're doing, we keep falling into, is it worth it? You know, is hanging on to this belief system, is it worth it? Is it working for me? Do the consequences outweigh the, I don't even know what I'm saying, but you get what I'm saying. <laughs> is it worth the cost? And then I put on here, acknowledge the trigger event, the present trigger event, and would it be beneficial to put systems in place to avoid this in the future? And that is going to be more beneficial for next week when I go into, because I'm going to talk about next week, we're going to talk about examples of like sexual immorality, lust. We're going to talk about homosexuality. We're going to talk about um, jealousy, discord, all of those things that we fall into, okay? Yep. And the good news is, I'm going to go deeper into this tool and how to, um, how to really, really dissect our thoughts and our feelings. How to really get in touch with our thoughts and our feelings so that we can get back to the joy of our salvation. Right? So that we can get back to remembering, I'm 
new. I'm new. I have a new nature. This is not who I am. This is not who I am. So why am I doing it? And that is where we go, okay, I'm doing it because my thoughts are messed up. (laughs) And my thoughts lead to my feelings, and my feelings lead to my actions. If you are acting in a way that you don't like, it is directly linked to your feelings and your thoughts. Directly. And it's not enough to just change behavior. You cannot change behavior without changing your thoughts first. You have to do that. And so anyway, so next week I will get into all of that. um, And I will talk about more about, because right now we're in step one. See step one, dissect. We have step two and step three. (laughs) We'll get into that next week. Um, Because it's not enough to just dissect where it came from. Then you got to change it. Right? So for this week... What I want you to do, I think I'll go ahead. I think I'll do the song still because there's a song. Yeah, okay. Yes, okay. Sorry. Thinking on the fly. I think for this week, it's really good. This is, this is the Lord. It is good because I think we need to sit in the truth of it's not my nature to sin and I think we need to sit and meditate on the joy of our salvation remembering how on fire we were for the Lord how much we believed in the power of God in that moment and I want us to just begin to pay attention to our thoughts and feelings and our actions. I, and I don't care what it is that you, you're doing, whether it's good or bad, acknowledge it. I do this every day. Why? What do I feel before I do that? What thoughts do I think about that? What belief systems are in place? You know, does that make sense? So that we understand our actions. So just sit in that this week, just understanding. Will you guys do that for me? Will you do that? Okay. Thank you, Lord, that I am brand new, that those things that I did before the cross, that they are gone. You don't remember them. I'm the only one who remembers them. Thank you for that, Lord. Thank you for the grace, the grace to renew our minds, Lord Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you for the power that lives inside of me, the fullness of God that lives inside of me, that convicts me, that convicts me when I do things that are outside of my nature. Thank you for the conflict, Lord. Say thank you for the conflict. Thank you for the conflict. Say I will not ignore the conflict. Thank you, Lord. I will not ignore the conflict. No shame, no blame. No shame, no blame in that conflict. I will listen to you, Lord. I will take the time. I will take the time. I will take the time to renew my mind. I will take the time. Just say that. I will take the time to renew my mind. 
I will take the time to renew my mind. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So I want you guys to do something for me right now. Just to, I'm sure, I'm hoping that you got some aha moments as we're talking. I didn't get into all the examples, but I'm hoping there was enough to give you a few aha moments for next week. But I want you to think about that sin or that thing that you know, I cross over into the flesh when I do this thing. I know it. I know I've done it. I feel it. I feel the conflict. Whatever it is, whether you're not loving well, whether it's fits of rage, whether it's pornography, I don't care what it is. And I want you to just take a minute and start asking yourself, where does this come from? What typically happens that triggers me to do it, to do this thing? You know, if it's pornography, is it boredom triggers me? Or if it's, um, you know, sexual immorality, whatever it is. If it's anger, what typically triggers me? And what, what do I believe about this? What do I believe? What do I believe about anger? Do I feel like, or whatever this thing is, ask yourself right now, what belief system is in place? What feelings do I feel right before I do this thing? Do I feel helpless? Do I feel out of control? Do I feel hurt? Do I feel pain? Do I feel anger? If it's anger, what's behind that? Just what is that? And then behind that, go, okay, what thoughts do I think that bring about those feelings? What is my belief system? Where did it come from? Is this what my parents did? Is this the opposite of what my parents did because I vowed to not be like them? Do I believe that it's impossible for me to overcome this thing? And just begin to take that before the Lord this week. Thank you, Lord, for the power of God the fullness of God inside of all of us to bring conviction and to bring help. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So I know I left you hanging this week. I know that I uh, promise there will be resolution. But just begin to sit in the stirring this week, okay? Will you guys do that for me? All right. Thank you, Lord. We're going to ask why. Lots of asking why. So, Lord... Thank you for this group of people that love you and that want to embrace conflict, the conflict that's inside of them. And I thank you, God, for conviction. I thank you for healing. I thank you for your full power of, of your Holy Spirit inside of all of them that, that is leading and guiding them to go on this self-discovery, this self-awareness of learning what our thoughts are, what, what is the belief system that is in place. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.